Good morning. Welcome to Secret to My Success. My name is Alan Bornstein, and I'm here with... Luis Alasea. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here once again in this beautiful, beautiful morning. So we are here to talk to business owners about their journey, their venture, how they went from being employed by somebody to being self-employed. Luis brought some amazing guests in here that have played professional sports, football, baseball. Football, baseball, uh, basketball, and uh, golf. We've had some wonderful people, and this is about learning their secret to their success to help you grow your business. Thanks for being here with us this morning. We're so glad you could be here. If you have an interesting story, if you know somebody, that you think we should be talking to, we'd like to hear from you. You can reach me, Alan, 561-953-2007 at extension 101. Once again, my name is Alan. Secret to my success, 561-953-2007, extension 101. Please call us. We would love to hear from you. Thank you. Good morning. This is Alan, Secret to My Success. Thank you for being here on this lovely Saturday. I am here with Dawn. Dawn, say something funny. You always got to put me on the spot, Alan. Really? <laughs> what that, is funny? That wasn't very funny. How about our telephone conversation this morning? I thought that was pretty funny. It was funny. Yes. Yes. You Alan never brought cease in, to amaze Alan me. Alan brought in a massage guy, right, to give me a massage while while we do our show. We that, did. That was pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> oh, the lengths you me? go through, okay. right? <laughs> John, say, John, say hi. Hello, everyone. Hi, John. John is our massage therapist. He's here with us today. We're going to talk to him after we talk to you. Daryl. Physical therapist, right? Physical therapist? Well, today's going to be your massage therapist. No, but he is a physical therapist, and today's his birthday. Physical therapist. Happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday. You. Would you like 70? No, I just turned 60. He's 60. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bye-bye, 50s. Bye-bye. It's gone. Bye-bye. So who do we have on the line with us now? We have Daryl. Say hi, Daryl. Hello. And Brady. Hello, everyone. So Daryl is Brady's little brother. And the question that I had is before we talk about their business was the last time they got into a fist fight, who won? <laughs> Come on, guys. Please. Cough it so, up. Daryl said that he, was, uh, that he had a story. So, so no, I, I, I wouldn't know how to prepare for this, but I would just say that we've never had to uh, because there, there's such a difference in uh, in our age. Although I'm sure at one point, um, you know, he, he disciplined me when I was younger. But if he hurt me back then, it would have been considered child abuse. And, and if I hurt him now, it may be considered elder abuse. Elder abuse? <laughs> so let's hear, how old are you guys? I'm, uh, I'm I'll be 50 in July, and Daryl's 35. Wow. Oh, so young. That is so cute that you work for your 15-year younger brother, right? It's great to have him. It's really great to have him. (laughs) So let me ask you, Daryl, do you really like bossing around your older brother? We have a pretty good, balanced relationship uh, where, you know, obviously we have the dynamic of uh, working with my older brother, uh, who I also respect and hold in high regard. So there's not really too much of a, um, of a battle for, for dominance here. Um, you know, I think we have a healthy respect for each other and value each other's opinions. So that's good. No egos getting in the way, right? This sounds like marriage counseling. I mean, seriously guys, really? That's good though. That's the way it should be. You should be able to get along, compromise, talk things through, right? No egos, no control. Not at all. Like Daryl, Daryl hates when I, uh, when I call him, 
refer to him as my boss. Uh, he prefers that uh, we we work together. Partners. We work with each other. Wow. I like it. Yeah, it's so cute. We were thinking some dirt today, but nothing. Just two brothers that <laughs> have this eternal. eternal so, like, life. when you walk into a client's office together, do you, like, hold hands? Uh, we usually prefer skipping but, um, <laughs> while we're holding hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, or yes. <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're definitely close. We're definitely tight. And, uh, you know, I think it, I think it shows how we, uh, how we respond with our clients. And there's, uh, you know, if we, we're not afraid to call each other out when, uh, whether it's professionally or, <laughs> or personally when, you know, how we communicate to each other. And it's funny, we had a good discussion about that today. Uh, Daryl would call me passive aggressive and then we looked up the definition <laughs> and it was nowhere near <laughs> it. So we're trying to figure out, you know, it's just, uh, you know, daily, just like it is like a marriage. You you have to be able to communicate well, and when you're not and you're not doing it in a healthy way, then you got to figure it out because at the end of the day, you know it's going to reflect on what we do and what our clients see. So let's yeah. talk about that. That's good. What do you do? What's the name of your company? Bigfoot Construction. Okay, I want to know how, how you, you. Hold on, before we go, on. I want to <laughs> know how you came up with that name. Good brother. So. So Bigfoot Construction started uh, 2017 or late 2016, excuse me. Uh, my father passed in 2014. And when I was thinking about coming up with names and I was working on the logo for the company and all these things. And, you know, my, my father's call sign in the army was Bigfoot. Um, and at the time I was looking at DR construction and we're, we're taking the letters D and R and putting a nail, a screw, a hammer, a house. And it, it just, it wasn't exciting for me. Um, and, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody mentioned, uh, it was actually somebody that used to, that, that's a retired veteran. Uh, he said, well, what about Bigfoot, you know, as a way to honor and commemorate your father. And, uh, from that moment on, I was just certain that that would be the name of the company i love the name um i've i've taken on the nickname bigfoot which is which is cool it's kind of like it was given to me as, as it was given to my father and you know it, it makes me feel a little bit closer i would say uh you know because of that you know having that in common um and it, it's just a very hard name to forget you know there's there's all these acronym constructions right. abc construction dkj case construction uh, Bigfoot construction, that's not something you forget. Sticks so. with you, yeah. So, Brady, if your little brother's Bigfoot, what's your call sign? Littlefoot. Littlefoot. <laughs> okay. Littlefoot. Littlefoot and Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> I thought his brother was going to say, I'm Bigfoot, he's Big Mouth. But no, nothing like that. Uh, well. <laughs> oh, he's trying to stir well, the he, pot. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stir it a little, you know. This kumbaya love really, thing like between you, the two of you is just a little too much. You can't break a sound. I know. The harmony bothers you. We're a unit. I know. It's beautiful. I'm so glad you have that. So you got your name. You're Bigfoot. Great name. Yes, people tend to remember it. But what else do you want people to remember about you? When you walk into a room and you start telling people about you, what do you want them to relay about you? What's your first impression? That's a very good question. Um, you know, for somebody that doesn't know us or know of our product and service, that, that's actually, you know, obviously a different question. Uh, for somebody that did know us or did know of the, did know the product or service we provide, you know, I, I would obviously want them to know that we're a stand-up company. 
that we never turn our back or run away from an issue. You know, we're always there to correct things if, if anything comes up. Uh, we communicate extremely well. We never leave anybody hanging. Um, you know, and, and, and that's the, the sad thing in this industry. Uh, recently, just over the weekend, we have a client who we're working with now. We did, uh, we installed new windows. We made some structural modifications so they can put in larger windows in some areas, a big sliding glass door in the back of their house. They live on the canal in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and at the same time, they're building a pool. So the pool contractor, who we had no relation with, took a deposit, came, excavated, basically dug the hole in their backyard, took another big deposit, mm. and they haven't been able to get in contact with them for weeks. You know, and, and unfortunately, that's that's something that happens in this industry that kind of gives um, you know construction companies and contractors a bad name. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I did a quick search on Google. You know, I could tell that they had like 1.3 stars on Google. I did a DPBR search. Um, you know, they had like the name of their company said different ways. Let's just say it was ABC Construction. It was ABC Construction LLC, ABC Construction INC, ABC Construction Services, you know, which are all telltale signs. Uh, you know, so I mean, there, there's a little bit, you know, you have an unsuspecting owner, maybe their friend had a good uh, experience with them. But their overall track record's terrible, you know. And I, unfortunately, I don't think enough homeowners do their research. Their research, yeah. Or on the other hand, they're just looking for the lowest price, and uh, they end up getting burnt on the back end, unfortunately. And and as an industry, we all pay for it. What is your bread and butter? I mean, there's a lot of people who say I can do anything, but those people are usually not good at a lot of things. So, what is your bread and butter? So the, the three facets we try to focus on is commercial and residential roofs and windows. Those are two roofs and windows, commercial, residential. Um, and then we also do high-end residential renovations. That's where we try to spend most of our time. What kind of renovations? Bathrooms, kitchens? We're at, at this point in time, you know, if you asked me four years ago, you know, I would probably say we'll take the individual kitchen, individual bathroom. Um, at this point, we're looking for a whole home renovation. Uh, or at least a kitchen and an addition, uh, something like that. You know, usually projects north of uh, 150000 is what we're looking for. Okay. Mm. How much fun do you have pulling permits? Hmm. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. I, I won't say too much. Uh, you never know who's listening. Um, but there, there are some municipalities that are very challenging. There's there's some really great ones out there um, who are who answer the phone, who respond to emails, um, but there are some municipalities that take a very long time to process the permit, which is which is tough, you know, being the contractor, you're the last one in. Um, so, you know, somebody has an idea, they want to build an addition, a kitchen, whole home renovation. You know, let's just say they started with the architect in January. That takes some time. They get the plans drawn. Uh, by April, they're ready to submit for permits. Depending on the municipality, we could be looking at two months to six months, and some municipalities, unfortunately, even longer. So by the time that the uh, baton is passed to us, per se, you know, they're already, like, very excited about getting things done. Uh, you know, we do a great job of, of scheduling and putting together a schedule uh, so, you know, the, the owner can see whether or not uh, we're up to date, where we should be, uh, if we're ahead of schedule, we're behind schedule. But still, you can't deny the fact that, you know, they've been waiting since January to get this project started. Now we're in the following March, per se, and it just feels like a lot of time for them. So, you know, constant communication helps the process, you know, them being aware of where we are, where we should be helps the process. And, 
and you know th- these are all things we've learned over time and it applies to the windows it applies to everything um, you know even in the windows we got hit um, early last year where some orders were placed and at the time the lead time for windows and doors was six to eight weeks uh, we placed it and then due to COVID material shortages and a bunch of other factors that were out of our control uh, lead times for the windows went from six to eight weeks to basically anywhere from uh, 16 to 30 weeks, depending on the manufacturer. So that was huge, wow. uh, you know, in reference to, you know, the owner's, the owner's expectations. You know, we said very clearly, it states in our contract very clearly, you know, this is the lead time that's, that's happening. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, this is what we're facing, and it's going to be, it could be up to, you know, six months wow. uh, before you get your windows. What we did is just you know try to communicate with the, the homeowners on a weekly basis whether we had an update or not just basically letting them know that we're there hey you know uh, week one friday week two three four five good afternoon mr and miss smith uh, we don't have any updates currently just letting you know we're still here if anything does come up we'll be sure to let you know and you know just kind of check in and, and i think talk, that yeah. gave a lot of a lot of homeowners comfort you know, because it's scary. You know, I'm looking at a window job we have here, and it's for sixty-four thousand. Half of that is thirty-two thousand. Imagine writing a check to a company for thirty-two thousand dollars, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're like, "Oh, it's going to be a lot longer than we originally thought." And if you don't hear from them for thirty weeks, twenty-eight weeks, you're only going to think the worst. So, yeah. you know, we try to put ourselves in the owner's shoes, and you know, just make them feel as comfortable as we can Darryl, during right. the process. Right. Daryl, it's Alan. Can you hear me? I hear you. Okay. Daryl, question I have. I know when we all start up, we try and do everything for everybody. There's not a job we don't want to not take. And when you get to the point where you're finally getting a little more selective about the jobs that you could take, how do you deal with those customers that don't see what you see? And I'll give you an example. GC is working on a house and they raise the roof by four feet. Okay. The whole thing, they want the, the whole house to be taller. And when they're done, they didn't change the doors or the windows. It just looked ridiculous. So here you've got this big house and you've got a standard door when you could add a 10 or a 12, the front entrance would have looked amazing and they didn't take it all the way. What do you do with a customer that doesn't see your vision? So is that the customer saying don't do that or is that the contractor saying not even, you know, like giving them the feedback. So this is this is what you want. We're going to raise the roof and this is my suggestion to go right. along with it. So is that, you know what I mean? Like it go on either side. The, the client I'm giving him not, the benefit of the doubt that he's smart enough to know this. Well, these guys. Right. Yeah, these guys, so how yeah. do you get the owner to like step up to well, the so, plate and do the right thing? So, Alan, that, that, that was your first mistake is giving me the benefit of the doubt. Oh. Um, I'm joking, but um, you know, glad you told me that always, before, after always, I bought the windows. <laughs> so, so there's always a number of factors at play. Um, you know, a lot of the times I always recommend to people, hey, it's very important. Uh, and, and I made a video about this. It's on my Instagram. Our Instagram is at Bigfoot Miami. Uh, also, our Facebook is the same as well. So I always tell owners, it's very important. So Alan, you have a project that you want to do. What's, what are you going to do first? You want to build an addition to your house. What's your first step? That's my first step. You need plans. You need a contractor. What, what are you going to do first? Hire an architect to make sure I can do what I want to do. 
that's a great answer, but it's the wrong answer. So go know, to the bank, make sure I have money. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> no, what I always tell people is, and, and it's, it, I don't know where it started, uh, but a lot of people make that mistake. And there's, you know, just as just as there are good contractors and bad contractors, and you know, some con- or a lot of contractors are just looking for the next job. When are they going to get the next check? Not really caring about the people um, that they are providing a service to. So a lot of the times, you know, an unknowing homeowner hires an architect. They talk about all these things that they want to do to the house. They see HGTV, Pinterest, Instagram, wherever they see it. They, they design this beautiful addition, beautiful kitchen, huge renovation. Budget is never talked about during the whole process. Right. They pay for plans. You know, we could be talking upwards of fifteen to fifty thousand dollars. You know, you bring an interior to, uh, interior designer to draw all the elevations of the interior, what tile, how is it put. You know, you, you spend all this time and money. <clears throat> so let's say you know, to, to, yeah, in total, we're talking forty thousand. You submit the plans for approval. After that, you start talking to contractors first contractor comes in well this project is probably seven hundred thousand owner says what that's crazy this guy is out of his mind he's expensive let's go with somebody else next person comes in higher lower ultimately what happens is you have plans which call for a seven hundred thousand dollar project that you paid thirty thousand dollars for but at the end of the day you have a project that's way outside of your budget and you you made the mistake of never bringing a contractor in first to talk about, you know, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, this, and this. Can you provide me with a ballpark, you know, and see see if that's feasible? That's what um, I would do. So I would call going, the contractor first. That would that would have been my response is call the contractor first. Yeah, yeah I noticed I you did. came up with that right away. Well, I wasn't going to, you know, talk Monday morning after. quarterback. Yeah. That was so easy for you, huh? But it makes sense. So, it's logical. Yes and no. I kind of so, agree. So I, I, I understand that your contractor is going to give right. you there's a lot of contractors that are just going to come out and it depends on the contract. I've talked to a bunch of different contractors that I hated and some of their ideas were just downright stupid. And some of the people that were coming in, I I just renovated a bathroom. They were trying to tell me what to do. And I followed, if I followed all their directions, I would never be able to flush a toilet in my house. Well, I think, well, yeah, but you told us that story. But what he's saying is, is you have an idea of what you're working with because what good is that plan that the architect put together for you? Right. If, you can't even afford it. It's but like, wouldn't you go to your architect and say, this is kind of what I'm budgeting. Tell me what you can design for me to get me within my budget. Because architects should have a, an understanding of what costs are for building, correct? I would think so. Or at the so, same time, uh, of, right? Of course. You guys connect and connect the architect with the builder? The, the GC? Yes. So, so of course, and, and we've, had, we've had architects, you know, we've, we've had owners uh, come to us after we submit a, uh, a proposal and it's way outside of their budget and they get other bids and they're still way outside of their budget. And, and, you know, we're sitting at the table talking to them and they say, well, you know, your, your proposals for 350, but our architect was telling us 150, you know, and and that's where it comes down to ethics. Um, You know, on one side Mm -hmm. is the architect currently building, are they up to speed with, you know, the the actual cost of construction currently Mm -hmm. uh, versus, Hey, they were doing their best, but they just didn't know versus the other side. Excuse me where the architect just wanted to collect a check, you know, and give you your plans. And, and now it's your problem. Hey, uh, per my contract, I drew exactly what you wanted. You don't have money. 
you know, that, or you don't have enough money, it's not my issue. So, you know, that, that's what I try to protect a lot of homeowners from, but it's just educating the masses on, on what I believe is, is in their best interest. Tell us about the last customer you had a fire. Not me. Um, <laughs> so we, we have not had to fire anybody. That's we good. probably wanted to. Uh, but like I said earlier, you know, we, we stick it out. You know, we've had some very challenging customers, and um, I'm, I'm probably ripping a page out of somebody else's book. But, you know, the, the challenging customers are what teach you the best lessons. You know, it's the best feedback. It makes you look at your systems. You're welcome. How you can communicate better. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, you weren't one of them out. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, look at, you look at what you did uh, good, what you did bad, what you can do better. And it just makes those, you know, happy, appreciative customers that much happier and, and that and appreciate you that much more. And it just, you know, it, it spirals into something good. So geographically, where are you guys running? Uh, so for windows and doors, we'll actually service anywhere in the state of Florida. Uh, usually along the coastal areas is where impact doors and windows are required. However, because of the added security of the impact glass, we are starting to see uh, some sales inland as well. For the roofs, we'll go as far as Key West or as far south as Key West, and we'll go all the way as far as West Palm Beach. Somebody says, I went to Home Depot. They gave me a price. What are you telling them? That would probably fall within the investors uh, category. You know, sometimes we get calls from investors, people that, uh, you know, own small multifamily or larger multifamily. The level of service that we provide or that we like to say we provide uh, it does come at a price or at a cost where we're usually not a good fit or a good match. Um, I do try to screen some of the calls to see what kind of uh, owner they are, you know, if, if they want uh, a lot of value in their contractor or if they're just looking for a price. If it's, right. if it's anybody searching for a price, it's usually not a good match for us, although we are competitive with the windows and the roof for the renovations we're usually priced a little bit higher. And that's because, you know, we use great subs, we hire project managers, site supervisors, and we take a lot of time. Doing it the right way. We talked briefly before, right? Last week we had a conversation, and you have not always been in the construction industry. What did you do before? Uh, so before construction, from the age of 18 to about 27, I was actually a personal trainer. Um, and I was actually considering becoming a physical therapist at some point in time. Hey, John, did you hear that? Um, he wanted absolutely. to be a physical... John's a physical therapist. John? Absolutely. Did you ever want to do windows? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Okay, just wondering if he had the idea of crossing over. Never mind. So what made you do the transition from personal training to... Windows, doors, construction. Windows, doors, construction. Uh, this is, this is going to get awkward. I'm, I'm sorry, John. So... No problem. Um, so I, I was in school as I was a personal trainer, and... As I mentioned, I wanted to go on to be a physical therapist. Where I was working as a personal trainer, we had an in-house physical therapy department. And I would talk to a lot of the students. They would train students from UM and other universities. And within those conversations, all I, all I digested was $200,000 in school, in school loans uh, and not being able to basically start up your own company and start taking insurance right away. You basically had to gain a bunch of experience uh, before, and, and it, everything just took a lot of time. And at the end of the day, I, I was looking at it from a business perspective, 
and just really, you know, was it worth the amount of time and investment, uh, you know, to be a physical therapist, to make X amount of money. And as a personal trainer at that time, I was just, you know, slightly under that number. So it, it just as a career path and, you know, just thinking about my future, it wasn't something for me that I wanted. So Brady, you just got tired of people throwing food at you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is got that tired of no, I, I, I did very well in in the industry that I was in prior to come working with Daryl. You know, I I uh you were a lot of great You're a high school lunch cafeteria guy, right? Yeah. So Daryl was That's the personal trainer, out. and no, no. Brady was in uh, what restaurant? Brady was in restaurant. restaurant? Yes. Okay. Yes, I was in restaurants pretty much uh, from from fourteen to about thirty eight. I'm sorry, forty eight. So, <laughs> so do you so, miss uh, that? Uh, no, I mean I not at all. I mean I I thought I would. It's something that I've I've done everything from dishwashing to the general manager and, and uh, part owner, um, you know, it's uh, it's very rewarding. It's a, it's a very tough industry um, as far as, you know, outside of, you know, your the work-life balance was, was not easy. Nights, and, weekends, um, and holidays? Yeah, holidays, pretty much work on every holiday. Uh, it depends on the concept, but mostly everything maybe except for Christmas, but even some of them were even open on those days. So, uh, but yeah, I I enjoyed it very long. But um, as I was getting older, it was definitely wearing on the body, and um, and yeah, I I knew that longevity was there. And then also, you know, I was I had the opportunity to to be area manager, and just having to be tied up with the restaurants 24/7, mm-hmm. you know, it was a little different uh, than than what I'm doing currently now. You know, pretty much we still get off you know off hour phone calls. But not at the uh, not at the rate that I would normally get them. Daryl and uh, they're Daryl. I want you to remind him if he ever thinks about going back to the restaurant industry, only a dog will go back to eat its vomit. <laughs> <laughs> he should never think about going back into the no. restaurant industry, right? <laughs> no, no. We've actually talked about it. If we were going to do something together. Um, you know, that we were, we were talking about doing something, but that's many years from now. A restaurant? Really? You're going to go back? And you're going to drag your brother in? Well, it sounds like they have a good working relationship and they do things well, right? So you could probably take on any kind of never. Really? Yeah. It's actually funny. So, you know, we, we get along very well at work. Um, and, and obviously in our personal life, I would say where things get the stickiest is actually in the kitchen. Uh, obviously, my brother, my brother worked in restaurants. He, you know, and one quality that I love about him, uh, besides the fact that you know I used to go up on weekends and holidays to go see him in Orlando, and, and a lot of times he was working, and, you know, I wasn't able to spend as much time as I wanted to with my brother. But what, anyway, what I was saying is, he he would just jump in. You know, if he's short of cook, he's cooking. You know, he, he wasn't the kind of manager just to sit back and point the finger. And, you know, he would jump in, show the guys, and, and you know, that, that really motivated the team. And that's a great quality about her. She just, about him, he just gets it done. So when we have a barbecue on the weekends, you know, we, we have a little bit of a power struggle there. <laughs> and he likes to take over, and I like to take over. Uh, so that, that's probably where we get the most uh, conflict. So does it come down to the guy with the biggest spatula standing in front of the grill? <laughs> 
you know, to be honest, uh, he, he usually wins. He usually wins. <laughs> well, Don, yeah, don't do it. I just, <laughs> not that he has a bigger spatula, but he usually wins. Okay. <laughs> he just respects his elders. That is so cute. So, guys, what's what's your next 24-month goal for the business? Uh, we, we just want to blow up the uh, the windows and the roofs. Uh, we we want to try to uh, and then sell new ones. Partner up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's the one way of doing it. But uh, no. <laughs> you guys laugh. When I was a kid, we had this woman up the street who used to pay me to fix things. And every once in a while, if I need money, my buddies would go over and break a window, <laughs> and I'd go over and fix it. Huh. Guys brought that back to me. I haven't thought about that in years, but never mind. So let's talk about blowing up windows. That's messed up. Yeah, so we're 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 looking to uh, to grow the window division and the roofing division. Uh, we're actively looking for other construction companies to work for as a subcontractor. You know, and one one benefit of us is that you know, as as a general contractor, relying on subcontractors, you know, we know what's important. We know what we expect. Uh, from our subcontractors, you know, so I feel like we're able to bring that high quality, um, the great communication, be able to provide them with a look ahead. So, you know, they're not tracking down their subs. Cause that, that's the worst thing at the end of the day is, you know, Alan, let's say you're the contractor and Don, you're the owner. Uh, Don, you tell Alan, uh, Hey, when are we installing the windows? Alan spoke to us last week and says, Hey, they're the, you know, Bigfoot construction or my subcontractor is coming on Monday. Uh, Monday morning comes along. Nobody's at your house. You call Alan. Alan, what's going on? Alan says, all right, give me one second. Let me call Bigfoot. Bigfoot doesn't answer. Bigfoot says, hey, sorry, we're not going to be there until tomorrow. You know, it's very important to have that dependable subcontractor that if they're not going to be there Monday morning, they're telling you Friday or Saturday, worst case, you know, not the morning of or or not when Don brings it to your attention at 10 right. o'clock on Monday morning when they were supposed to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. It, it just, it would make Alan look very unprofessional. Uh, so it, it, it does make a big difference. Yeah, it does. And in this industry, in that industry, there's not a lot of it. Like a lot of people don't communicate that way. They're the telling you that morning or the next day, you know, when the customer inquires. So, but we are out of time right now. We're out of time. You hear we're that? out of time. Don's kicking you off. How does somebody oh, reach you? The, you can reach us at our email. It's uh, info at dfcmiami.com. And you can also call us at uh, 305-407-5810. So Say that one more time, please. Info Phone number. B, F as in Frank, C. Correct? Bigfoot yeah. Construction. Info, I-N-F-O, at BFC in Miami. That's B as in Ball, F as in Frank, C as in Charlie. Or Miami. Bigfoot Construction. Yes, BFC is Bigfoot Construction. Instagram, you said? Our Instagram is at Bigfoot Miami. So what is the last piece of advice for you have for anybody who's searching right now to do some kind of project? Well, I would say definitely, you know, do your due diligence. Uh, Start with Google reviews. It's very easy to look up if a contractor is a licensed contractor in the state of Florida. You simply Google Florida contractor search uh, or Florida contractor license search. The first one that should pop up is the DPBR. You enter the name of their company, their license number. It's actually required by the state of Florida that all promotional materials, banners, billboards, business cards, uh, signs on trucks, that they all have a license number. What's your license number? You can use that. uh, Which one? Don't tell them. What's the one you Uh, want on this show? All right. Uh, My residential license number. 
uh, is the CRC one three three one six nine three. I just want to make sure in compliance my, with all advertising. That's all. I have my roofing license, my general contractor's license. Excellent. Guys, we're so glad you're here. I'm glad nothing broke out into a fist fight. It's nice <laughs> because to have, we're in different spots. It's nice to have brothers yeah. that like each other. I have a brother. I yeah, don't think I like him as much as you guys like each other, but that's awesome. Thanks for having us on. Thank you guys. Thank you for uh, being here and coming back again and joining us. Thank you. No, thank you guys so much for your time. We appreciate it. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. My name is Tom Reed, and I am the managing general partner at WGP Insurance Services in Lake Worth, Florida. What I do is help you as a business owner have the proper protection for your business at a competitive price. We will take time to review your business plan. We will definitely listen to your concerns. We want to help you grow. There's only two things that will happen by letting Tom review your policy. One, he's going to tell you that you have perfect coverage. Or two, he's going to save you lots of money and get you the correct coverage that you need. Give Tom a call. Please call me at 561-953-2007, extension 105. I'd love to hear from you. Good morning. This is Alan, Secret to My Success. Thanks for being here with us on Saturday or on our podcast. We're glad you're here. We have myself today and Dawn. Dawn, can you talk? So what you probably can't see, only because we're on the radio, is Dawn is getting a massage right now. And we have John Congdon here as a guest. John, scream hi. Hello. So John is a physical therapist. Today is his 60th birthday. And part of his birthday present is he gets to rub Dawn. (laughs) Why is that messed up? No, it's not. It's good, though. He's doing a great job. He is? He is really doing a good job, yeah. I got knots all over my shoulders. Like, that's where I carry, like, the stress, yeah, so... Absolutely. Are you ready? I'm ready. You want a couple more minutes? Yeah. Don, you want a couple more minutes? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Are you kidding? So, John, where are you from? I'm originally from Pittsburgh, but live in West Palm here, Boynton Beach. Where in Pittsburgh? Nobody's Uh, actually from Pittsburgh. I'm actually from Pittsburgh, yeah. I grew up in the McKees Rocks area. Okay. Does that make you uh, an Eagles fan? Absolutely incorrect. Incorrect. Survey says. I'm a Steelers Steelers fan nationwide. So you're a Steelers fan. Terrible terrible towels, the whole thing. The whole nine yards. Got to like it. 
And how long have you been a Steelers fan? Well, as long as I can remember, back to the Immaculate Reception, that was my first game at. Really? The Oakland Raiders. That's what year was that? Game. 72. You remember that? In December, yeah. You were pretty old. No, I was pretty young. How about 12, maybe? Right? Yeah. I think I was no, six. 10 years old. Wow. So let's hear your story. I know you spent some time in the military. Absolutely. Okay. 12 years. 12 years? 12 years. In the military? Service. In the military. Get out of here. Absolutely. Started as a combat medical specialist. Army? Army, all the way. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking Merchant Marines or something. Nah. No? So you were in the Army? Reserves, I assume. Army Reserves. Yeah. Okay. And where were you stationed? Um, it wasn't really never stationed because you go to um, basic training and then right off to your job site, which my job site was San Antonio, Texas. When did you figure out in your life that you were taking a left turn and I'm going to be a physical therapist? Well, becoming a physical therapist at that time was very, very difficult. It's a long shot, and that's something I really wanted to do. Only 30 students a year get in out of your major universities, which was very few at that time. So 30 out of 5,000 applications is pretty hard to get into. So I had to start somewhere. I went into the military, combat medical specialist, and went on from there. Is it true your wife did all of your homework for you in college? She didn't do all my homework. No, I did all my work. I just gave it to her for re-editing oh. and never got less than an A on any of my papers. His wife takes claim for everything he's done in his life. <laughs> well, we've been together 40 years, Alan. Wow, she came with me since day one. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So when did you actually become a physical therapist? Um, there are two types of physical therapists. I started out in 84, graduated from San Antonio from combat medical specialist. I went on when I was still down there. I did a physical therapy assistant program. I finished that in, um, at St. Phillips College in Texas, and that was in 84. Got a physical therapy assistant job for five years. That's how long it took me to keep taking classes over, different classes, or recommendations. You your, like your to get into thing, the physical therapy. Which is what uh, yeah. Daryl was saying before in our, in our last interview. Like that's why he made the transition to, you know, it's because he, he learned it would take him a long time exactly to get to where he could really work on his own. Yeah, even now it's even harder for the beginning back to what Daryl was doing. If he had to go through that stage, they stopped the bachelor's degree program. They stopped the master's degree program. So now to be a physical therapist, you have to go all the way through to be a doctor. Really? Yes. So we should be calling you Dr. John? Um, no, I'm always John, the physical therapist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you became a you went you were PTA first, right? Physical Five therapist years. assistant. While well, going to school the whole time and worked the whole time. In eighty eight I got into physical therapy school and finished in nineteen ninety as a physical therapist, licensed physical therapist. Took the state board's path. Where'd you go to school? Um, FIU, down in Miami. Okay. Florida International University. So now you're a full time physical therapist. What are you doing? Well, I had multiple jobs. I worked from home care to hospitals. Skilled nursing facilities, assisted living, private practice. I did basically almost every job you can think of. I even worked in, mm -hmm. um, shared up owner at a um, own physical therapy practice with a few other doctors. Um, but now, currently, for the last 21 years, hospital and on the side, um, I have my own physical therapy practice, JPC Rehab. You currently work for a hospital? For a hospital, local hospital, yes. And at one point, you were in charge of physical therapy for the department, correct? Uh, absolutely. I was the director of physical therapy. Before that, I was a director of physical therapy at a skilled nursing facility for four or five years. Right. Became director of physical therapy in the hospital, or what we call lead physical therapist. 
So you had stepped down. I, I know at one point you had stepped down to just kind of be a physical therapist. Yes. After, for the last three or four years, I stepped down as lead physical therapist and decided to be just a regular physical therapist and take on more of the responsibilities of treating patients and treating COVID patients. And that's where I, my heart is, really helping people. Um, not management style. I'm not into real, I wasn't one time I like management, but management's there, but I'm also more of a physical therapy hands-on. I imagine management means a lot of paperwork with all the, with insurances, all the insurances and all yeah. the electronic medical records that you probably spend. If you saw a patient for an hour, how much time do you spend writing up and documenting and doing all the billing for, the, for that patient? Um, actually, in, in a hospital setting, it's very easy with the billing and the paperwork. It's a computerized, all computerized. In home care, it's all computerized paperwork as well. Um, billing, I don't do any billing at all. Just at the end of the day at the hospital, or a billing sheet, the hospital takes care of all that. And as an independent contractor, I just bill for my services that I performed, and, and that's be about it. I don't have to worry about getting um, paychecks from all other places and, and denials. I just do my regular job as a regular physical therapist. That's one reason why I stepped down. You work more hours than anybody I know. Me? It's my... That's not really a job, to tell you the truth, Alan. It's, uh, I love what I do. I mean, it's, it's fun from the time I get up to the time I go to bed and waiting for the next day to occur. So your nice. wife is actually responsible for your schedule, correct? Um, she does a lot of my scheduling. All I do after hospital work, just look at my phone and say, hey, go to patient one, two, that's it. Have you ever wondered why she's got you out 85 hours a week? <laughs> <laughs> I guess she likes the shoes that she wears. <laughs> Well, okay. There's a good way to look at it. Yes. 85 hours a week. But no, we're a teamwork. We're a great teamwork. And uh, I like what she does for me and makes my job. Keep the show clean. Focus on physical therapy. And that's all I have to really want to do. Nice. And she takes care of everything else, which every therapist wish they had. She tells me that you could get lost in a brown paper bag. Sometimes she actually has to drive you to these places. Is that true? That is true, but not lately because now i got a hand-me-down phone, and um, I can just put the Siri, take me home, and I get there. And it works. So no <laughs> it more works. flip phone? Were you one of those flip phone guys? Absolutely. <laughs> it's hard getting some of these maze in these um, communities, and you don't know where you are. I understand while you were working <laughs> in the hospital for COVID, during COVID, that your wife actually made you go into the garage, strip down every piece of clothing that you had on, made you throw everything in the washing machine, and then I think you jumped into a hot tub before you were allowed back in the house. Is that true? After um, working with the COVID patients? Yeah. Hmm. At first, yes, but after a week or two, I didn't like that. So I said my son-in-law built me a nice outdoor shower. So now I have an outdoor private shower, which I can do all that right there, put everything into a separate bag to go into the wash, and to do it that way very safe and it's very clean and um i do that shower outside before jumping into my clean tub yes nice. so it's disinfectant none of the neighbors can see you right absolutely not <laughs> just checking it is well covered it is well covered so okay. we're good out there what it's my idea, own home it's in the privacy of my own home and it's all screened in and it's uh -huh. protected well outside so none of that it is strictly a shower, a decontamination station, and it cleaned up. How hard was it to be in the hospital when you knew you had patients there and like their family members couldn't visit them and they were there kind of on their own and they didn't have that supporting cast of people to speak for them? It's heartbreaking. It is very heartbreaking. First of all, 
working with COVID patient is very, very, very difficult. I mean, when I'm finished working with these COVID patients, I feel like a hockey goalie, lost five pounds, you know, sweating. And to tell you the truth, over the last three years, I did lose about 40 pounds, 40, mm-hmm. 45 pounds. And, but no, working with COVID is very, very difficult. You have to put on a special uniform, you know, gear to protect yourself. And at first, we didn't know what it was. So it's really like getting back to when I was as a combat medic specialist, getting ready for Desert Storm. Don't know what you're going to do, what you're getting into, and it is very scary. And right back when, it was very scary. I have, we have some therapists don't even do COVID, you know, but it's very hard and demanding on a therapist. So what types of things did you have to do with them? Um, well, first of all, you have to realize what kind of patients they are. And there, a lot of people come in with pneumonia, suspected COVID-19, uh-huh. and a lot of them do have COVID-19. So until they're tested, we have to be very careful, protect ourselves either way. And once we know that they are COVID, you have to wear special shoes, covering of the pants, the right. underclothing, gowns, masks, special mask, N95 mask. You have to wear, a lot of the women wear Hair pieces, but I don't right. wear a hair piece. I don't, I don't have any hair. I don't have any hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so physical therapy to me, right? I've had broken, you broke, broke some bones. So you go to a physical therapist yeah. and they work on you. So as far as being a COVID patient, what types of things yeah. were you, did you have to do with them? Absolutely. Anybody who ever had a ter- terrible flu or pneumonia, you can know how you feel very weak after vomiting and you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you feel very, very weak. And now you have to get in there and try to help these people breathe and work with them with uniforms on. And they, first of all, they're frightened. They can't see their families. And then mm-hmm. they come and see you coming in like, whoa, who are like you from? Yeah. Of, Look like a ghostbuster exactly, dude. Exactly, <laughs> one of those. But um, getting in there, working with the patients with COVID, first thing you have to do is mobility and then breathing technique. Teach them how to breathe. A lot of them going through hypoxia, you know, can't breathe. Um, hypercapnia, they have too much CO2 in their body. So you have to t- really get in and teach them how to breathe properly, keep them under control, keep them relaxed, motivate them, and then perform your physical therapy at the same time. And that is range of motion of um, all four extremities, okay? Uh, some of them are very hard. Uh, some of them are laying prone, what we call proning, and it's very difficult to do that um, on your hands and knees trying to do exercises there. But the mm-hmm. other one, most of the part, um, we have other therapists who do a lot of the proning in ICU, but I work in a special area too. Um, we work with trying to get them to sitting up to clear their lungs. Our lungs work in a vertical position versus a horizontal position, and we right. have to really get them sitting upright, and they don't like that. It's like what it feels like. You're swimming in a swimming pool for a long time, and you're trying to hold your breath, and right up when you feel you can't hold your breath anymore, you're trying to come up and gasp for that air. That's what these patients are feeling like, the gasping for air, and then you have to yeah. train them how to calm themselves down and breathe properly. It is a very, very hard task for physical therapists under all that gear and the stress and the time frame that you have working with them. Mm-hmm. So That's pretty It's interesting, I and mean, it's very rewarding. And one of my one patients I had, um, we saw him in ICU, and from there he got prog- progressively better. He went down to step down and telemetry. Then he went over to the co- another COVID unit, and he, he, he was scared. He was only, what, 28 years old. And he was telling me how much he has a business and family. Before you know, we got that guy working so well. We got him so strong. We got rid of his oxygenation problems. He got him breathing normally, and he's back to work full time. That's an amazing story. That's why I like to do physical therapy. The special rewards you get, you know, that's that's what's nice. So I don't want to be politically incorrect, 
Imagine that. Imagine that. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. But you're working (laughs) in a hospital. What do you say to somebody who says, hey, yeah, that... That's not for me. I don't want to take any of those shots. Um, you mean as a therapist saying that? No. Somebody who says to you that, you know, I really don't believe in the vaccination. Okay. Without being political, I'm just yeah. talking from a medical perspective. You have to, as a physical therapist and working in a situation, put all bias opinions aside. You're treating a patient from head to toe, front to back, all human diseases and the characteristics that they have. Financially, any of that stuff, homeless to a millionaire, you treat them all the same. You know, you treat them as, hey, mom, how you doing? Hi, dad, how you doing? Right, your job is to get them better. Exactly. Not really have those conversations or, or place your thoughts or opinions on me, them. trust me, it's very right? hard to do that. But, yes, it's, it's, you have to do that, and, and, you know. How does your perspective change if you have to work on somebody that you know just refused to take a vaccination? Um, you have to go with the flow, uh, what they want. You have to respect patients' rights. They have a right to refuse. I have a right to treat. And I'll take my to my limit to where I notice that they're getting aggressive, and I'm backing off, and I'll say, okay, ma'am, sorry about that, and uh, we'll do the best we can to help you. What do you want me to do? How can I help you to help yourself? So that brings up a question. Then you're saying patients will get aggressive with you as you're – doing, you know, whatever procedures you have to do with them, helping them in the physical therapy, do they get aggressive with you and they're like, oh, stop or That's a two-way, I'll give you two answers for that. One, for the patient that is gasping for that air. Yes, it's very, very difficult, but I have to stay in the control to make sure that they're positioned right, make sure their tubes are in place, the lines are in place. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't just have respirators on them. They'll have oxygen lines, uh, um, the different types of different type of respiratory therapy equipment with them. There's a lot of different equipment, but you have to make sure that, hey, that's on them and it's correct at 100% of the time. And yeah, they're gasping and throwing their arms and legs every which way because they're trying to fight for their life, if you will. And then on the other perspective, what you were just saying, that other patient getting very rude and arrogant toward us, you have to just take a step back, let them talk. And when they get too aggressive, I say, sir, I'm gonna have to excuse myself and I'm sorry. And then I'll go back to my director, let her know what type of patient we have in here. We have our group huddles, talk to them about what's going on, and then we'll just reassign the patient. Yeah. That's all. No conflict. Maybe an initial, but keep it very minimal. Whatever, a couple words at a time. If you know it's escalating, you got to stop, back off, and head out. So what other types of patients have you worked with? Uh, Injury-wise. After all these years, mm-hmm. been practicing since 1984. Um, you I, name it. I was in high school. Sorry. <laughs> 1984 is still practicing. I feel I can go another 10 years. Mm. And I'm looking, I mean, we work from head to toe, front to back, all human diseases. You name it, we did it. I did it. You know, working with a lot of them. Um, so it's a, physical therapy is very broad. It's very perspective. We're not cardiologists. We're not neurologists. You know, we work with all different types of patients. You have to know everything about all these little things. And that's why it's so difficult to get into physical therapy and the longevity to get mm-hmm. through the program. And then once you pass all that, you have to pass the state boards to practice. I did physical it's, therapy years ago. I was hit by a car once but um, and had a cast on my leg. Was it your ex-husband? That's a whole other <laughs> story. Oh, sorry. I had a cast on my leg like from my toes up to my hips. I was I off one my of feet them. for about six months. And uh, it was painful. I mean, I had to go uh, starting off, I think it was a couple times a week. This was a long time ago. But um, they were very good, the physical therapists. This was up in New York, but they were great. But it was definitely painful at times. I mean, I can't say I got aggressive, but 
I let out a few yells on occasion because it was hard. It, it, it was painful, the things in the, initially to get started and get moving again and just the body being weak and stuff like that. But Yeah, one of my f favorite things, I thought it was way back when with pediatrics, I even got a degree in child care <laughs> trying to get into physical therapy, mm -hmm. and uh, that was very rewarding there too. And where I work at, at the hospital, I mean, we do work with kids. I enjoy working with them because you see them happen all the time in September, fractures from high school kids to mm -hmm. college, and also from little kids, even kids that are born, you wow. know, with, you know, club feet, if you will, or anything like that. I don't work with neonatals, and those are different specialty therapies, and I don't work with that. But I basically work with, do with pediatrics, and I worked with 104-year-olds. Um, Doctors have a different perspective of physical therapy as it relates to like surgery. And I'll give you an example. I had a torn rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. And my doctor says, the only way I take you is you will follow my physical therapy guidelines. And he made me go for physical therapy before the operation. And he said the day after the operation, you will be going for physical therapy the day after. And I've heard of other doctors saying, no, 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 you're not going for two, three weeks, four weeks. He says, I don't want your shoulder locking up. I want you in physical therapy. And sure enough, I went the next day and I thought I was going to die. I seriously thought I was going to pass out. And the girl's like, wow, you're pretty white. I mean, most pain I ever had. But I can tell you, I'm back playing tennis. And it was probably a good thing that they made me go instantly There's instead of, of we doctors out there that after it after surgery they want you to go to their specific physical therapy because basically think about it they did a, a 60 to 120 thousand dollar surgery on the entire body part they want to make sure they have the right therapist trained for that particular job right. Right. a lot of physical therapists are job but there's you have to be really trained in what you're doing and on the other perspective I mean, even today total hips total knees done on the same day in the hospitals on orthopedic centers now where we actually started doing those physical therapy right after hour two hours after surgery they come up onto the floor and here we are doing physical therapy work with them what type of physical therapy for once again back to mobility got to get mobility right. and getting them sitting upright they don't catch any complication dvt or anything like that and so getting the, them ready the one thing you didn't say that I happen to know about you is at one point you were teaching at one of the colleges, correct? Oh yeah, I did a lot of stuff. Matter of, um, yes, I worked at, um, at a university for physical therapy assistant 13 years, and I did that very well for a long time. I really, really enjoyed that. Even after working all day, <laughs> eight hours, nine hours, and then going right into working another four hours right on top of that, back to back, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. Did your wife grade their papers? Um, honestly, I have to say yes because I'm too tired. <laughs> Just figure Grading out. is she nothing to do with. Great, your wife, forty years, and she's a good helper. Put it this way: my wife uh, has been with me all along, from way back before physical therapy assistant school to now, and I bet she could take the state boards right now and probably pass them. No offense to the colleges and universities or anything. John, the question is: Could you? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it is so hard, physical. But don't get me wrong, people out there. I mean, it is a great, rewarding field to get into. Yeah, even the other last guest speaker said they're going to go in debt for $200,000. That's true. But would I do it all over again? Um, absolutely. I would do it over again. It's that much rewarding. And it's a career. It's a profession. And that's what I do. That's nice to get into something that you can spend so much time in and still just love it, right? Absolutely. What you're passionate about. Good for you. A lot of people say, how do you work two jobs? I said, I don't know, I only work one job. And my second job is a hobby. 
I can fix people, but I can't fix that machine over there. I can't put up that picture there. I can't even connect a TV today. Matter of fact, I have my grandchild who actually tell me how to fix my phone so I can call somebody. <laughs> now, that I actually believe. And your granddaughter's what, like five? Four? <laughs> Four? Yeah, he didn't want to say that part. It's pretty true. But, yeah. So, John, I can fix 60- people, but I can't fix objects and things like that. So today's your 60th birthday. How about that? 60. 60. Last night I said all, goodbye to all my 50s. And how'd you do that? Just say bye-bye, 50s. So long. Looking forward to my 60s. Okay. So what are you looking forward to? Next 10 years. What you, how long do you want to do this? I'll do this as long as my body will allow me to go. My goal is like when I retire, probably in four to five years, continue to do physical therapy on a home, home health basis, my own business on the side. You're going to go back and do it again? Absolutely, just on the side. It's not that much, you know, three, four patients a day at the most. Maybe Pick the ones you like. No, it doesn't matter. I like everyone. So, John, you're a good guy. Yeah. Well, thank you. And just, it's me. I try to be myself. I like to sing to my patients. I like to dance with my patients. Nice. I make jokes with my patients. Very nice little joke. You know, just the other day I went to my friend's house and his name Johnny and I, and I'm trying to figure something out. He gets mad at me every time I go to his house. His, his mother has three kids, April, May, and July, June, right? So every time I go over to his house, I say, hey, June. He goes, why do you call me June? It's Johnny. <laughs> April, May, and Johnny, not June. So I have all kind of fun with my patients, and they love it. So what do you do when you have, like, the coolest patients in the world, and you can't tell anybody about who they are? Because if they're that cool, I tell everybody about them. <laughs> so HIPAA is really not a problem for you. HIPAA is a very, very strong person. You just have people. There's billions of people. I don't say what type of people or names of people. You got to keep HIPAA there oh, all the right, time. Oh, right, yeah. So you tell, like, HIPAA the character is... traits, maybe. Or exactly. Say, this was a fun... I feel honored that every once in a while you tell me who they are. It's pretty amazing. Well, I'll tell you mm-hmm. who Sally, Joyce, and Bobby is, as well as Johnny. You're a crazy man. Happy birthday, Johnny. Oh, Happy thank birthday, you, thank Johnny. you, thank you. We thank you, one, for your military service. Oh, I love that, too. Yeah. I would do that over and over again. Well, the I, Ukraine's looking for a couple of people if you want to go over. I would go, but I think I'm too big of a target. Yeah, I'm too big of a target. <laughs> right? But I got grandkids now and a nice wife and a nice home, and I just want to keep that. You know, God bless those people over there in Ukraine, so we'll see what happens. Kind of amazing what they're going through. Whew. But thank you for your service. Thank you for oh, all the neat you. things that you do, and you've been there for my family as well. You've worked on Uncle Jack, who is in here at 101. Uncle Jack, yeah, we yes. have him. He's worked on my stepmom, my father. You're a good guy. Everybody seems to like you, I'm regardless of what I tell them. <laughs> John, I'm going to give you the microphone. Is there anything you want to say to anybody? For those people out there who want to be a physical therapist, that's a good dream to have, and you want to keep striving for your dream. And don't let nobody say, no, you can't do it. The price is too high, and the courses are too difficult. You put your mind to what you want to do, and you go ahead and do it. That's good. That's good advice. Good stuff. Is there anything you want to say to your wife? Special? That Love you back. Everybody's going to hear? That's it? <laughs> she She's sounds amazing. She sounds amazing. She is. No, she never did all my work. I did all the work. I did John, all I was the just research. Kidding. I put it all together. I just get it back as a, a different paper. <laughs> <laughs> With well, her doing all your homework. She did, he didn't say, I don't think, that she did no. your homework. She just she assisted. Never did my she did a schedule, you know, helped grade some papers, right? She was just there to 
to be a good support system. Becky, you're awesome if you're listening. She's an awesome supporter. John, thanks for being here with us. Thank you. And happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3.